On this week's episode of the F Stops Here podcast, you'll be treated to an intimate chat between hosts Zach Egoff and Jamie McDonald as they talk about Google's acquisition and price slashing of Nick's software, funding and starting Kickstarters, and a few more odds and ends. Thanks for joining us, and happy shooting. Uh, welcome to the S-Stops Here podcast. Uh, this is episode five. Uh, tonight it's just going to be me and Jamie. Um, probably going to be a shorter episode, so Jamie, welcome. Hello. Um, got a couple of news stories that we wanted to run down, and then um, we were going to take a question or two from from our audience and uh, and talk about a couple of things. So, uh, Jamie, how's it going? It's going really good. How have you been over there? Pretty good. Uh, just got uh, finished up with a one-year-old birthday shoot. Uh, I talked about it a week or two ago, and... Uh, it uh, it was a lot of fun actually. She was a little bit on the temperamental side, as one year old children with seven teeth coming at the same time can be. But uh, yeah. we pulled some really good ones out of the uh, the entire shoot. And actually, it, it was um it was really kind of neat because one of the things that we're probably going to talk about tonight is uh, Nick Software um, and Google. Uh, Google has having just bought that entire package. Um, they just uh, introduced a well, I, I guess they really kind of dropped a bomb on the photography world by dropping the price of their entire suite of products to 150 bucks. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to use a bunch of those. It was actually the first time I ever used it and, and pretty much convinced me to, not that your uh, constant um, preaching of Nick software wasn't uh, wasn't enough to convince me, but I think uh, the, the way the photos turned out, I think probably, um, probably convinced me to pick that up. So you uh, you've been shooting anything this week? Um, last weekend, I actually did uh, my first child shoot in a while uh, as a one-year-old for me as well. Um, I did family pictures for the family last summer, and she was obviously younger then, and her mother wanted one. <laughs> so it was kind of cool to get out the lights and, and set up for a shoot like that, because like I said, it's been quite a while for me since I've done something like that. I've been focusing you know, mostly on my just landscape and general outdoor photography, so it was pretty exciting. Yeah, it's, it's kind, of, kind of neat to get back into that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It kind of makes me think I should maybe pursue that a little more, you know, a little more often. Well, it's like you've said in the past, that's kind of one of those things that probably allows you to um, fund some of the more fun projects that you've... Uh... Right, you know, you get so kind of set in one mode of thinking, you know, that just to kind of break outside the box a little bit from what you've been doing and do something like that is always a good thing. Yeah. Any, uh, good. I'm glad to hear that uh, you jumped on the Nick bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> I've been preaching it for a while, but it's it's got a lot of uses, you know, beyond just the crazy, flashy, you know, dramatic changes you can make to a picture. I mean, you've proven that right there, you know, with you know child photography. I mean, it's got its place. In no, a you lot can of you can definitely tell um, with some of the plugins they they really do seem to be geared a little bit more towards landscape photography and architecture and stuff like that. But even using some of the, um, for, for silver FX, uh, even yes. using some of the landscape, um, presets on, on some of the pictures, right. it was just, just produced amazing dramatic results. That's yeah, cool. So I guess then that's kind of what we'll leave off with is, um, for anybody that didn't hear, uh, that might be watching or, or listening at home. Um, recently, uh, 
Google purchased, it, I, it's, it's, maybe you know a little bit better than I do, is it Nick Software that owns Snapseed or was it the other way around? That's correct. Nick Software developed Snapseed. Okay. I think kind of like a spinoff of their, their, I don't know, I guess their development team probably wanted to get into the mobile market would be my guess, you know, and they developed Snapseed and then that was the big thing that everybody was excited about when they heard Google do the uh, the buyout and I was nervously watching <laughs> see what would happen with their, you know, their desktop applications and I'm pretty stoked to see that they pick that up and put it out there for such a cheap, cheap price. I mean, yeah. you can't pass it up. Yeah, so um, so what Jamie mentioned was the fact that um, just this past week, uh, Google and Nick Software um, came out and, and announced that they were going to be selling every single piece of Nick plug-in tool, and that's for Lightroom, Photoshop, Aperture, just about any any type of um, editing tool that you, you can think of. The entire Nick suite was $149, um, and I know I just uh, did a little bit of Googling, and I know a lot of places that do workshops, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I think Trey Ratcliffe has one, um, and there's a couple other ones, but you can actually find uh, some 15% off discount codes, um, so that was actually really cool, but just the fact that I know, and, and maybe you can speak to this, because you, you've obviously... You obviously had this before the big announcement was was made, and if you don't mind saying, what were one of these packages generally cost? Just one package. Um, to be honest with you, I never priced it out. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I got mine in conjunction with working with smallcamerabigpicture.com, so there you go. I never had to go that route. I'm what? lucky that way, I guess. But um, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that I think that it wouldn't be surprising to see $149 on one of the single standalone packages, you know. Yeah, I know I did have, because um, I got really excited about it, because I'm always love, I'm always willing to try new things, and I always love seeing when companies like this do things like this. Um, I did get, I did end up getting a tweet from somebody who asked me uh, how I stole it so cheaply. <laughs> and, uh, and then when I asked him what he meant, he went, well, how did you get it so cheap? Usually the Photoshop plugins alone are $400, but... Uh, this is everything. I mean, this is every tool they've got, including just the standalone pieces. Um, and I've had no trouble integrating them with Lightroom, which is primarily what I use. And um, it's it's really seamless. Uh, one of the things that I really like about this, and I found with with other things, and even to an extent, Photoshop. Um, if you pop open a photo in Lightroom. And tell Lightroom to edit it in Photoshop, and you make changes in there, and you save them. It doesn't automatically go back to Lightroom, but the Nick software automatically, once you save the the photo, it'll save it as a copy, uh, and it closes the plugin and rolls you right back into Lightroom, and it 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 will flag the photo for you uh, if you've already got it flagged, and um, so it was really neat. It's just a whole big seamless process, and I think kind of where do we think this is? Fitting in with the whole, because we, we didn't talk about this last week uh, because there was a mild conflict of interest um, with, with Lisa being on the show and her working for Google. But one of the big things that has also kind of been in the news in the past couple of weeks was the fact that they, they're shutting down Snapseed's desktop portion. Um, so where do we think that this kind of fits in, if if at all, with, with that? I think if there's any relationship between the two, it's that the the Nick suite of software to me is tons more powerful than what Snapseed would be. Um, Snapseed is just 
my look at the mobile app. I mean, it, the the power isn't there that you have in the whole complete Nix suite. So maybe there's some redundancy there, and they didn't see a need for that. Um, I really couldn't imagine any other reason than that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, Snapseeds, I guess, can be the more affordable option, but you know, maybe they just don't want to have that kind of an overlap. I'm not sure, really. Right. Yeah, and I mean, just it, a check of a cached page of Nick softwares um, by Vesa too would be $99 for the one package just yeah. an FYI so and I do know that um, if you've purchased any of the packages in the past they're giving you everything else for free that's awesome <laughs> so I don't I don't think it's really uh, I mean I don't know I know that that we've had some people um, especially in, in our smaller group of, of photographers that have uh, had a little bit of concern that first Google you know, purchases this and sends Snapseed out the door, and now that they've lowered the price on on the entire Nick suite, I mean, do you see Nick going away, or or do you see maybe this rolling into? Because I know it was actually funny when I started up my computer uh, just now. I got an update for Picasa, which I didn't think Google was even still updating. But um, <laughs> I mean, do we see them rolling that into into all this, or is Google going after photographers? I mean, are they trying to make a move here? I don't know. Maybe I could see an integration between Picasa and the Nick suite. And then what do you have at that point? But a super tough competitor to Lightroom. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, that's, that's essentially all uh, Picasa is really is just a, a cataloging tool uh, in right. much the same way. There's really no workflow portion of it. And I don't actually even know, I feel kind of dumb for not knowing this, but uh, I don't even actually know how it handles raw files, but um yeah, so I don't know. That's interesting. It's it's certainly it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here, or or if this is just kind of a here's your last chance to get Nick before we get rid of it, or we feel that photographers should have this because it's that good of a tool. And at that price point, and if that is a possibility, I just want to tell everybody just go get it while you can for that price. You can't yeah. beat it. And yeah, it's really, a fun suite of tools. It it, it and. It, it's like you said that that price is almost you'd almost be a fool not to buy it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. So uh, the next story that we uh, were kind of looking at, um, and I know uh, you you mentioned you had actually kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, Thomas Hawk, who is, I did a little research. He's actually the fourth most influential photographer on the internet. Uh, now that's not taking into account um, photographers over the last. 60, 70, 80 years. Um, But, I mean, still, fourth on the internet, that's kind of a big deal. Um, He actually announced this week uh, that he was quitting Getty Images and moving to uh, a service called Stocksy. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting um, because Getty seems to be the big one. I mean, you're a a Getty user, aren't you? Correct, yeah. Um, I can understand his move lately, there have been a lot of things that Getty's done as far as um, giving perks to people like Google. Um, Yahoo, I guess, has bought images in bulk, too, I think, in the past. I mean, so Thomas's move is – I can sympathize with it. I mean, I've been a Getty Images artist for a year now, year and a half, something like that, and you really just make pennies. I mean, they're taking 80% cut on your images. Um Lots of times, if your if your images are sold, they have these different premium rates that they'll give to other people. Um, I know that images of mine have sold in China, 
for literally pennies. <laughs> but the same image will sell here or in South Africa or somewhere in Europe, you know, for twenty or thirty dollars. Um, the same image gets sold for change in China. I don't understand how that works, but um, I know he went to Stocksy, and Stocksy's fifty percent commission on your sales, and you're actually part owner of the company, basically. Um, I mean, I commend him for the move, and I think when my contract's up, I'm not going to renew with Getty. So you actually have a, a contract with Getty. It's not kind of a freelance thing? No, it's a it's a two-year commitment. Okay. Uh, so they keep rights to your images for those two years. You know, they don't want you to pull You can't pull them out um, prior to that. I think they retain the right to sell those images for two years, anything that's in the collection that they have of yours. Now, are you um, contractually contractually obligated to produce X amount of content, or is that no. just the contract? Contract is just for the rights. It's just for the rights, okay. and it, the way I was in, invited into Getty anyways was through their their Flickr program. Okay. Um, so it's not like I have to provide anything for them. They have curators that just kind of browse your stream every so often to see what you're producing and see if it's something that Getty'd be interested in. And then they ask for rights to use that, and then. Once you give that over, it's, I think, two years from the time that you submit your model releases or, or property release or whatever for the image they have. it. It's actually kind of interesting, um, too, because just since the story has been posted, um, it's it's funny that you mentioned you found or that you got invited through their Flickr um, group. Uh, I guess Thomas Hawk has been banned from their Flickr group yeah, uh, from the forums uh, as, as a poster, um, which I... From from what I gather from the post that he did, that that kind of seems to happen just randomly for for no real reason to some people. Obviously, I think this is probably a big reason as to why he got banned. But I guess to um, to look at the other side of it, I'm assuming that um, once you nullify your contract with Getty, which you can do at any point in time, I and mean, they still retain the right to those images, like I said, but you can cancel your contract after that um, at any time. But I'm assuming that once he got rid of his contract with them, he no longer has access to that group. I mean, they revoked that because that group is an invite-only group for people who are members of, you know, Getty. So that's probably why it probably didn't help that, you know, number one, I mean, he's such a huge person on the Internet, you know, as far as photography is concerned. And number two, he was voicing his opinion in a way that they probably didn't like. So they probably expedited the process of removing him from the group. But... um. I think that that's just how it goes for anybody anyways. I think you cancel your contract, you no longer have access to that group. That makes sense. Um, and then, again, uh, even even further down the, the post, uh, I guess it, it, it blew up pretty big. Uh, I got all over all the big photography blogs uh, and websites, and I guess he even said that uh, Trey Ratcliffe is also going to be joining Stocksy. Now, I don't know if Trey... Um, I don't know if Trey was ever a part of Getty. Um, just looking over his Google Plus account, oh, he, he quit them two years ago uh, because he thought it was highway robbery. Uh, my yeah. thought process is uh, any money is good money, <laughs> right? Especially if you're just getting started on, you know, that kind of because you you've posted a few things um, over your various social media accounts and you seemed really excited anytime a picture of yours or, or a photo of yours made it. You got one on a book cover, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got a, my first book cover, but <laughs> you know, it's, I never investigated other stock media or stock photography sites out there. So 
I didn't even really realize that there were other options as far as what I could be making off my images. You know, I'll probably wait, see how the, the rest of my contract goes. If sales do decent, you know, maybe I'll stay with it for a while. I mean, or maybe I'll just dedicate the stuff that's not on Flickr to another agency, but just keep going with Getty with the stuff that I have on Flickr. I mean, I can look at it this way. There are pictures that probably wouldn't have sold anyways because most right. of what's on Flickr, I just put on Flickr for whatever. I mean, a lot of it's just like my everyday life, you know, my kids. Playing are, around stuff. Exactly. You know, it's a lot of my kids and animals and stuff like that. And um, That's kind of what the Getty collection is through Flickr anyways. It's just everyday life. So I think maybe things that I want to develop specifically for stock, I'll look somewhere else probably. Sure, sure. Uh, it was actually kind of interesting. Trey also mentioned, because, um, you know, we're best buddies and everything. I can call yeah. him Trey. <laughs> uh, he also mentioned that uh, he wished Google uh, would let them or would let him sell images to them. So who knows, maybe uh, with the, the purchase of, of Nick software and, and all the moves that they're making, maybe we'll see a, a Google stock photography something or other in the future. I'm sure there will be people that don't ever want to see that because Google is evil, but uh, I, for one, am a fan, and I think it would be pretty interesting to see how they um, they would use that. They certainly, uh, if you look at their their communities and a lot of their local pages, um, you see a a definite presence uh, for photography, uh, especially if you get invited into any of the communities or the groups that are constantly asking people for like the header or the the cover pages or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Google's one of those companies too that bought. Uh, they got like five thousand images from Getty for, for cheap pennies, yeah. you know, and the artists didn't make really anything on those sales either, you know. Well, yeah, because so, how, how many middlemen was that? I mean, you had, you had the the guy taking it and Getty and Google, and that was a lot of hands to be changing. If Google could cut out the middleman and, yeah, and I, make, it'd be nice if Google did uh, collaborate with Trey on something like that. I mean, yeah. Trey obviously got his head in the right place when it comes to marketing and sales and social media anyway so it'd be cool for him to interact with them i think yeah yeah um we did want to also touch on a couple of the things i think last week we mentioned uh that the rumors uh from coming out of canon were going to be i don't remember i'm going to act like i remember what we said i think we said a, a new 70d and a new uh, rebel and they came out with the eos sl1 uh which i know uh, a couple of your folks out of the micro four thirds department were really, really ragging on that camera. <laughs> yeah. And I guess just because they're, they're going after a smaller kind of market. I don't know. I don't really see a, I mean, I guess I can see a need, but I know I just got my wife, the, the Canon T3 rebel just because it was on sale and she needed something to start off with. And I thought that thing was tiny and they're saying yeah. that this is, 25% smaller than the T5i? Yeah. Uh, basically, Canon made the Olympus E400 series of cameras. <laughs> Except yeah. with the APS-C sensor. So, I mean, there's a niche for it somewhere. I mean, I don't know how strong the niche is. I don't... I really don't see it. <laughs> well, I really don't. I mean, if you're going to go small, you might as well go all the way down to micro four-thirds. Right. You know? Not and, that you're biased. Not one single bit <laughs> at all, you know. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd be interested to see the camera and handle it and see how it performs. Well, they did say it's uh, it's the exact – or it's it's almost the same size and weight as the EM5. Okay. Wow, that's small. So 
Uh, but it does have a mirror. It's still got the, the reflex mirror and the optical viewfinder. Um, Which begs the question, when you get down to that size, why? Yeah. What? I guess what's the purpose at that point? You know, you, It's just one more thing to take up space in the body. And that's what's it's it's funny that you mentioned that because um the the link that we'll have in in the show notes for the the article that we were looking at uh, was actually from Adorama and their final question was how did Canon's engineers do it? How did they get a mirror into something that small? And yeah. you know, you do make a good argument something that small why even bother putting one in there if the technology exists to go mirrorless. You know, I I honestly deep down inside I think that that's and this is unbiased, I swear, <laughs> that the future is going to be in mirrorless at some point. It has to be. What is the point of having one more mechanical link in the chain that can fail? You know, I mean, it's kind of a legacy train of thought. You know, the mirror was there when it was film. Right. You know, way to get your eye looking out the lens. You don't really need that anymore. I mean, the EM5, you know, has the integrated electronic viewfinder, you know, and a lot of people will really struggle with making the transition to an electronic viewfinder, you know, and the technology is only going to get better, you know, to where you've got less delay between what is happening in real life versus what hits the, the, the display. And I mean, there's that millisecond delay, but it's there. The human mind can see that, you know, even though your eye might not necessarily catch it too much, but sure. um, down the road, I don't see the need for the mirror. I really don't. It's, you know, it's just a legacy way of thinking, I think. Well, I mean, we've we've had I've talked to people, and I've I've even had um, one or two bodies where that's been one of the first things that goes because yeah. it is a moving part. I mean, it's it's a mechanical part, and the less of those that you can fit into anything, you know, be right. they cameras or cars or or whatever. Right. Um, exactly. So yeah, it's it's really surprising that that's what they went with. Um, you know, I have almost see it as maybe a way to feel out the market for them. Sure. You know. Or they go full-fledged into something comparable to the Micro Four Thirds line, you know. It's their way of saying, okay, we'll throw a really small body out there. The next iteration might be mirrorless at that point, you know. But for Canon, putting a really small, excuse me, uh, a really small mirrored camera out there, really, they're just almost competing with their point-and-shoots. It's not going to be so far above and beyond the point and shoots. I mean, are there point and shoots to that level to where they're getting close? I mean, they, they, their power shot series might not be, you know, fantastic, but uh, for 75% of the people that are out there taking pictures and I say taking pictures, yeah, you know, they'd rather save the money because I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough right. one. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of, it it is almost scary uh, as somebody who owns quite a bit of equipment uh, from, I guess, the old school of thought. To to, I'm not going to sit here and deny that I, I I kind of agree with you in the fact that I think that's where cameras are going. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. All it's going to take is for clients to start recognizing that the giant camera doesn't. Ne- it's not necessarily indicative of professional photography i mean you guys are out there with your your uh your your micro four thirds and taking some absolute just just beautiful beautiful photos and you couldn't hold something you took up next to something that i took if we took a a a photo of the exact same thing 
but with our our respective cameras, you probably couldn't hold them up and compare them and have somebody just a, a you know your average Joe off the street pick out which one was which. No, you know, and it's it, you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's perception for a lot of people. They expect to see you show up to that wedding or an engagement shoot or family photos or whatever event you're doing with a giant DSLR with, you know, a huge lens hanging off the yeah. front of it. Um, and that infant shoot or the child shoot that I just did the other week, you know, that's one of the things that I brought up, you know, is that I'm bringing new equipment. It's going to look a little different than what you're used to seeing, but <laughs> I know you have faith in what I do. And sure enough, I mean, they were completely satisfied yeah. with the results I gave them. It's and just it, you know. interestingly enough, I, and I don't know if you did it for this shoot, but uh, it is kind of neat um, to think of the possibility of the future. One of the things that I saw you've been posting the last couple of days is uh, you've been using the iFi uh, to shoot. Uh, I guess you were dying eggs, and um, yeah. that would probably be a, a great way for you know if if a potential client's afraid of you bringing your smaller camera there that doesn't look like the big gripped you know, giant DSLR with the, the huge lens on it, you can just take the take their photo and then straight out of the camera send it to, you know, an iPad or something and, and there they've got exactly what it looks like and, and yep. it's it's wild because, I mean, looking at the photos that you took of the egg dye and there's a lot of that and obviously it's skill, some you know, most of it's skill because <laughs> I'm sure you couldn't hand that to somebody that's never touched one and expect them to take the same photo but um you know a lot of that is is just the technology getting better and and it is canon and and nikon should really be doing something if they're not already preparing for you know i don't want to call it a revolution but uh i think in a lot of ways the way digital disrupted film uh i think canon should be concerned that that their mirror dslrs uh, may end up as novelty items for people that want to do Project DSLR instead of Project Film, you know, 10, 15 right. years down the road. You know, so. I could almost see them having, you know, a mirrorless line that's going to service 80% of their market. You know, the other 20% are going to be, you know, high-end pros or people that are making a good chunk of their living off of those cameras that are just never going to be comfortable moving away from what they've always known. Right. And they'll find that eventually the people shooting mirrorless, are, they're still getting the same results that they're getting with the other equipment. They're just having to lug around a lot less gear to do it. You know, it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then you gotta, then you got to worry for companies like Think Tank who are making giant bags. Uh, and, of course, I guess you could just buy more cameras and put in there. Actually, their profit margin will go up because they're going to sell the same cost bag that's half the size. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Mm-mm. So I guess um, that's really kind of all we had uh, for news this week. It was pretty pretty slow. Uh, I know with um, all the conferences and, and everything else that's been going on, uh, I don't think a whole lot of news that was our, worth, worth us discussing really came out. But um, we did mention projects, and I know uh, one of the things that we wanted to do this week uh, and you know weeks in the future was uh, open things up to any of our listeners if they had questions or if they wanted to to um, have us discuss anything, and one of the questions that was asked uh, about, or was asked of us to discuss tonight, um, was actually on a project that you did uh, a couple of months ago, and it's it's funny that that was the question that was asked because, as far as I can remember, that's actually one of my first interactions with you. Um, you had actually done, or you had you had planned on doing a Kickstarter project uh, 
Um, so our question was actually from Joe, who was nice enough to not be with us tonight. Uh, he had prior engagement. Um, but his question was uh, something that I'm getting ready to pull up here in a second. <laughs> uh, he had asked uh, if you wouldn't mind talking about any tips you might have on doing a Kickstarter for photography, um, anything you might have learned from your experience, and just kind of talking a little bit on what you were doing. So, um, Actually, I pitched three Kickstarters. Two of them were the exact same one. The second <laughs> one was just... Uh, the first one, I wanted to do a documentary of an island that's in Lake Superior, as far up as you can go in northern Michigan, then you head out into Lake Superior, and there's an island out there called Isle Royale. Um, I wanted to do a documentary on the wolf population up there. That was my first Kickstarter project, the first one I had ever attempted. Um, and I learned a few things from that. I spoke with um, a gentleman named John Cornforth of cornforthimages.com. He's a incredible wildlife photographer, and I had him take a look at my pitch video and he gave a lot of good advice. I mean, the main advice was relax when you're speaking to the camera. You should put together a video for your Kickstarter project no matter what. Don't ever put together a project without you in front of the camera talking to the potential backers. Um, he critiqued it for me, told me I needed to relax. I should have a script because this is, again, you know, first time doing any of this. So it was kind of ad-libbed as I was speaking to the camera. It didn't work out so well. I got decent funding, didn't quite make the goal because it was pretty lofty for such a niche kind of thing. Um, the second Kickstarter project that I tried to get funded was I wanted to do a documentary on photographers in Detroit who go do the urbexing, you know, the exploring abandoned places. And mm -hmm. I'm sure anybody that lives in the United States or even maybe abroad that watches any kind of news knows that Detroit has a lot of abandoned <laughs> buildings at this time, you know, yeah. a lot of old factories that are decommissioned and they're ripe for exploring. I mean, it might be on the edge of legal to do so, but um, anyways, I wanted to do a project where I followed a group of photographers as they explored these places because it is basically like modern-day exploration. Um, getting that all set up was really easy. Um, I just threw some photo uh, photos that I had taken locally from some urbexing trips, you know, to kind of create a gallery for the potential backers to see what kind of images these people would be capturing um, and a lot of it is you just need to find something that's going to appeal to people and that project actually appealed to a lot of people and I got I think 70% funded on it you know towards the end I didn't pitch it maybe as well as I could have or I didn't have the right people helping to pitch it um, I think you just need to be really powerful in putting it out there and you need to make sure that you contact the right people who can help pass the word on for it because ultimately these things just come down to word of mouth. I mean, there's no other way to get it out there. Um, when I did these, also Kickstarter was still moderately new, and it wasn't as hyped up as it is right now. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things that I was kind of curious about, because I, I did notice um, the Iowa exploration that you um, – your first one was actually in 2010. Uh, yeah. And then you went on to do the one that I actually ended up uh, contributing to and was really disappointed that I didn't get to see. Um, that was in 2011. So here now, just in the last six to, to 12 months, we've seen Kickstarter projects get funded for millions and millions of dollars. And now, granted, these are people that, you know, they're well-known in their respective industry. You're seeing a lot of it now with video games where developers that – have that nostalgia factor are getting games funded for millions and millions of dollars. We've right. seen podcasts get funded. Do you think that 
maybe that had something to do with it. And if you were to do something now, it might be different, especially considering, I mean, just in, in the time that, that I've known you, uh, I've definitely seen your presence in general, just on the internet, um, become a lot more prevalent. I mean, you seem to be in contact with a lot more people and, and so it's something that's been weighing pretty heavily on my mind. I still have a passion to get that project done. I mean, it's exciting, you know, it's adventurous. And I think with the press that, uh, that Kickstarter's gotten lately. And like you said, I mean, I've made a few new contacts that might be able to help right. that. Um, um, it's probably something I will pursue. It's one of those things where I think I had the idea like a year too early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was definitely, um, it, it was unique because I don't think for me personally, I've only ever funded a couple. Um, I hadn't ever seen one like that. Uh, and it's, it's, it is a neat, um, platform for people like yourself to get out there and, and do something different because you don't have to come up because obviously we, we work in a, in a really expensive industry. Um, you're spending thousands of dollars on equipment and that's just for the equipment not to mention, you know, research that had to be done. You had to gather up all the people and, and take all the time and, and all of the, uh, what do they call them? Like the points, excuse me, where you, you actually, you know, make, if you donate $25, you get this, you've got to go through and, and do all that stuff. So, right. Um, I think it's going to be completely different for me now, you know, cause initially, the 90% of the money that was going to go into this or better was going to basically help to purchase equipment that would have been needed for this shoot. Right. Um, I have a really good relationship with Olympus right now and all of those, uh, equipment needs have been met. Right. So any money, you know, the, the amount to fund this would be significantly less now. It basically just covered gas for me to get there <laughs> and probably I would buy lunch, provide lunch for the people who the documentary would be about. So it'll be really that low key of a thing to do so i mean it's i'm glad you brought it up because it is something that's probably gonna happen <laughs> i mean if rob thomas can get the veronica mars movie funded for millions yeah. and millions of dollars i think you could probably pull uh, you know a couple grand to get yeah. out there and, and actually do this and it's neat too because i think um from from somebody that's outside of the area uh we don't generally i would say that 99 percent of the people think of that particular area, specifically Detroit, as not being as artistic as as at least the example photos that you provided um, make it seem. And I think getting that out there would would be a really neat project, and and definitely show people that, yeah, you know, Detroit is Detroit, but it's more than just Eminem <laughs> and Kid Rock. Yeah, right. Not that there's you know, <laughs> Kid Rock's pretty cool. So, um, but yeah, so, well, I mean, you'll have to keep everybody posted as, as you go along and, um, I don't think you'll have any trouble getting it this time. And, and it would be a neat experience too, to have you talking about it as you go on and, and kind of, cause I'm sure people, sure. I know, I know, uh, Joe had kind of kicked around the idea of, of doing his, I, well, I had suggested to him to do his project film that way, uh, so that he didn't have to spend all the money on film, but, um, I'm sure his, right. his fiance would love that. Uh, that he didn't have to spend all the money on his film, um, but it is—it's it's a good way for guys like us to get projects funded that might normally be out of our reach. So, yeah, right. pretty cool stuff. So that was actually—would uh, this I, be a good opportunity? 
Go ahead. Would this be a good opportunity? Could, could we open this up to um, any of the viewers and have them, if they are running a Kickstarter project, to send that our way? Because I'd be glad to share that via Twitter and Facebook and other social media outlets. I'm all about reciprocating. So I guess I'll extend the offer. For me, I won't speak on behalf of the F-stops here, but um, I'd be glad to kind of get the word out about any of our listeners. Yeah, no, I absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I think if anybody is doing it or, or you know, wants some help or, or anything like that, I don't think – I think we're all kind of in this together as as they say. So, um, yeah, so if, if anybody is, is listening and has a Kickstarter project or watching and has a Kickstarter project or wants to do a Kickstarter project, we'd be more than happy to, um, you know, give it a shout-out here. And, and uh, I'm always up for, for – whoring myself out for a good cause so um yeah if there's any anything that needs to go out there or you know anybody that's doing one and it's a it's a good one or even it's a bad one that's we'll probably still be okay with bad ones uh sure absolutely i think it's a great idea do you know any off the top of your head that you're uh in the process of supporting right now no i do not right now i haven't had much time to browse kickstarter lately there it's kind of overwhelming on that site you know it is so yeah. much and I'm really not so wealthy that I can back off <laughs> that I would like to. So, you know, I'll get around there, though, and check it out again soon. Yeah, I really wanted to fund and get myself an Oculus Rift and an Ouya, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So, yeah. No, but that's a great idea. And and certainly if, if anybody hears of anything or, or wants to bring it to our attention, we'll be more than happy to um, to do that. So, um, yeah. Anything else you want to say on that? No, I think I'm good. Um, we had talked also last week, and, and um, it kind of got mentioned on uh, the Photo Walk Alliance's Facebook page. Uh, we talked a little bit about off-camera lighting, uh, and I did just want to show, for anybody watching, uh, some of the stuff that I use. Um, I do actually have the uh, the YN622Cs. Um, they glow real pretty. Uh, see, I'll turn them on. Uh, what I really like about these is uh, there's... Uh, three channels and three groups, and they can kind of be run together. Uh, you had mentioned, what did you call what you the you had the cactus <laughs> triggers? What did you call them? <laughs> call them uh, poverty wizards. That's fantastic. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, I think these might take the cake though, because uh, these were eighty nine bucks or seventy nine bucks for a pair. Um, now poverty wizards are a pretty good. Term. I think it was about twenty five <laughs> bucks for the pair. So. I'm trying to think. I don't have my camera bag up here, but if I did, I've actually got uh, their transceivers, technically. Um, it's like a little stick, like a USB stick with a button on it. Okay, yeah. That's about all it is, uh, but it it, uh, it doesn't work at all. Uh, it's a big, about the biggest waste of $20 I think I've ever ever had. So, so But these, I really um, I really think these are, are really cool. Great review right there. Uh, really cool. Um the build quality is real good, and um, uh, they work. I, I did, like I said, I did a, um, I did that shoot on on Sunday uh, with the one year old baby, and I had a a softbox um, with a, an external flash. Excuse me, and then I actually had a flash on camera too, and I, I was triggering the softbox with these. Yeah. Um, what's really nice about these is these are pass through, and I they're was pass just that. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. And they are also passed through uh, ETTL, um, so wow. uh, really kind of mind blowing for the fact that they're a pair of transceivers for under a hundred bucks. 
um, that that do that. Uh, I don't prefer to use that just because I don't trust. I trust myself better than I trust the camera, even though that's designed to do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it will do. It'll do the pass through. Um, I actually keep them on my um, flashes at all times, even if I'm just using one flash. Um, just because it's easier than having to take it off and put it back on all the time. Uh, now, my only complaint really about these, and, and that kind of seems to be a complaint that I have with everything that, that um, the company makes, Young Nuo, if I'm saying that right, is that uh, they don't have the real fancy, nice snap closure that the Canon flashes have. Uh, and I don't know that anybody's really going to be able to see this too well. But it is just a, it's a twist. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a twist ring, and and when you get when you get this piece, uh, good radio here. When you get this piece on top of a camera with a flash on top of it, it's a very small, very small window that you've got to actually twist, um, twist that that locking ring. Uh, so it does tend to wobble a little bit unless you really get it locked on there. I think that the company actually knows about it because I read somewhere that they did know about it. I don't foresee them changing it because it works for what it works for. Um, I am actually planning on using them uh, to shoot weddings uh, this year, uh, if for nothing else, just to put some put a little bit more light in the reception hall. Uh, we've got uh, the wedding in July is a, just a giant hall, and I know that it's going to get pretty dark in there once um, once so, the sun starts to go down. So, so speaking of that, um, have you done any kind of a range test with those? To get a feel for how what your working distance is, I have not, but I've read, and I don't want to misquote this. Um, I want to say it's three hundred feet. Okay. Um, so that's what a hundred yards, about a football field's length. Yep. Um, I fairly certain that's site to site. I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to stand behind a wall, but um, yeah, I, I, I that is one of the things that I'm going to test before I, I really get into using them. I really only bought them uh, um, just to try them out. I didn't think that I would um, really enjoy using them as much as I have, but uh, they're really simple to use. Um, yeah, that's that's. I'm definitely going to get out, and probably once it gets a little bit nicer, we're still. I saw you had snow today, but we yeah. still just had snow yesterday, and and the weather's been really lousy here, so. Um, once the weather gets a little bit nicer, I'll get out and, and test that out, and I can definitely talk about that uh, on a later show. Um, it says, uh, from everything that, that they've posted on their website, uh, it's it's pretty broken English because it is a, I believe it's a Korean company, um, and all of their uh, all of their instruction manuals are just poorly Google translated. Uh, it does say that it um, it uh, it's a hundred meters, so in American, that's you know, about a football field. <laughs> the only country that hasn't yet switched over. Um, it does do seven wireless channels and three different groupings. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty solid piece of hardware for the price. I mean, it's tough to beat. Tough to beat cool. that. It'll do high-speed sync. Um, you name it, really. Uh, and and in, in a market where they're still trying to get the price of the big names down, I could buy, you know, four or six of those things and break them over the course of six to 12 months and, and really not be out a whole lot. Right. So even if they only work, it takes, um, it does actually take two double A's, which is really nice because from what I understand, the older models took triple A's, which who carries triple A's around really? Right. 
Um, but everybody's got double A's. Uh, so, and it, it's actually pretty funny uh, to check. I just opened this one up and realized that I've not opened this one up since I bought them, which was probably six months ago. So the battery life on them is pretty good too. Um, they've got no trouble with the recycle or anything like that. So, yeah, I think yeah. you've got me sold on those. <laughs> it's it's definitely worth looking into. Um, I mean, I for seventy nine bucks or whatever it is, it's kind of tough to get just as a toy, you yeah, know, just to play around with it. So, um. Yeah, I, I did want to mention here real quick, uh, just because this is, is live, we did actually have um, one of our viewers mentioned a Kickstarter. I'll put it in the um, I'll put it in the show notes as well, but let me do a screen share here real quick. Um, Will had wanted us to take a look at uh, the Superflux video camera stabilizer. I don't know if you can see that. Um, right. Pretty neat looking one, or pretty neat looking Kickstarter. I think... Uh, I think they're pretty much good to go, and uh, they do have 37 days left. Um, so, uh, yeah, kind of neat stuff. Um, I don't, I get, you know, it's it's bigger for video. Uh, I would guess. Uh, I mean, I'm not a big video shooter. Um, so, and here, right here, it says if you shoot video, you'll need a stabilizer. So, um, it's stuff like this that's really cool to me um, because I think uh, I think Kickstarter really kind of covers a market that you don't really see a whole lot because it's it's mostly these big uh big tool developers that are, are coming out with these really expensive gadgets and and here it looks like you get uh you can get you know one of these stabilizers for 495 bucks now that's a little pricey for me but i guess if you shoot video that's probably pretty cheap uh compared to you know what all is out there so um right. we'll put that in the show notes and and People are definitely, you know, encouraged to check that out. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Do you do you shoot much video, if at all? Um, I do a little bit every month. You know, it's kind of uh, one of the things that I'm doing with Olympus. Um, it's something I want to do more of. Uh, spent a lot of time skateboarding in my youth and always wished I had a <laughs> good camera, you know. So I think uh, that's one of the things that I'm going to do this summer is I'm going to spend some time at the local skate park and try to put together some good video. Uh, the cameras nowadays to shoot such great video. It's kind of foolish to not take advantage of that, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Not... I mean, if there's movies, you know, major releases that are, are shooting. Yeah. So. No, other than my time lapses, that's about the extent of <laughs> experience. So. Still still using the trigger trap? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm looking forward to using that on vacation soon, too. Oh, that's right. The big vacation coming up. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, um, I think probably just about wraps up everything that we wanted to talk about uh, tonight. Um, unless you had anything kind of worth uh, worth going over, we'll go ahead and head on out of here for the evening and, and get this up and everything. Now, I think I'm pretty well said. I'm not usually one of those people that brings a whole lot to the table. With <laughs> you guys seem to always have the, the latest news, so I just kind of go off your lead. Well, hopefully we'll be back to full force next week. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job covering tonight. Um, and uh, we, we are looking to get in the future a um, couple random guests here and there. Um, but, you know, we still want to keep making sure that all of us are, some of us are on the show, maybe not all of us at all the times. But uh, but I'm glad you could make it. And, and, and those other guys are slackers for having sick kids and holidays or whatever it is. So <laughs> thanks for showing up, guys. 
Um, thanks for having me. So, uh, so yeah, so thanks for, for, you know, making it tonight and, and, um, to everyone else, thanks for tuning in and, and listening this week. Um, again, if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. Um, check out the stuff that we posted in the uh, in the show notes for links to the Kickstarters and some of the products that we might have talked about or, or to check out Jamie's um, old Kickstarters so that you can get prepared for his new one when he comes out with it. Um, if you'd like to, you can give us a thumbs up. Uh, we do have a new YouTube, YouTube channel um, that we're trying to consolidate everything into and... Um, Along with that, if you have any questions or anything that needs to go to us, we do have a new email. It's the F stops here podcast at gmail.com. Um, that'll be in the, sh- the show notes as well. Um, Jamie, thanks again for coming out. Uh, I had a blast. And um, so for Jamie and, and myself, uh, thanks again for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the F stops here podcast. Bye.